play fantasy baseball show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of the Fantrax Podcast Network and the FantraxHQ.com fam. D. Mendy here, joined by a man that melts when you stick a fork into his dish. That's Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Little Cheesecake VLC. Elsie, how's it going? It's going really well. Uh, you know, spent a Monday evening chatting with the boys over at Palazzo Podcast. Give them a listen if you haven't had a chance to do that yet. Uh, it's a full busy week uh, talking baseball, and I'm feeling great. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Yeah, that Palazzo Podcast was just a blast, man. Uh, we had a great time on there. They do stuff different there, and it's a it's a fun show. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen, you got to check them out. Uh, Cheesecake, I think, I forgot. They asked you one a couple questions that I was laughing at, but I can't remember what they were. We also are joined tonight by the president of the Nolan Aeronado Fan Club, and it's the doc, Eric Mendelson. What's going on? That's right. President, six years running in a row, baby, and nobody's here to dethrone me. You're going to be the saddest person on the streets if he doesn't live up to draft expectations. I mean, I'm taking him much higher than where he's ranked, so if somebody snipes me, then I'll be upset. There you go. Well... We are firing up off-season content like there's no tomorrow. When draft day comes and the season is here, we want to make sure you're in tip-top shape. Take down your league. No BS short-term podcast fixes here. No, 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 no. That means subscribing to this podcast, listening to these episodes, getting info, and ultimately seeing results, baby. The progress begins when you do. And in today's episode, we have the Triple Play Fantasy Starting Pitcher Part 3 Preview. We head into the 2021 season. We want to give a look at these positions and break down the, the pitchers that we're talking about in this range according to NFBC rankings from January 18th on as our template. We're looking at guys that are values here, and since we're at a deep spot into this process, we're not looking necessarily to avoid, but guys that you should try to target when you get to these range of your draft. And tonight we're going to be doing that with Dave Swan from PitcherList, Fantrax HQ, and Rotoballer, so make sure not to miss that. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, where is the best area to sit in a ballpark that's not home plate? And our game of the week coming in to set the door. So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then man, we're here to do it for you. Let's do it! Yeah! All right. Some news and notes. we got a lot of news and notes here. Starting off with the big news. The Dodgers have agreed to a deal with top free agent starter Trevor Bauer, according to John Hyman via Twitter. It's a three-year deal with opt-outs after year one and year two, but if he stays for all three years, he's guaranteed $102 million. $40 million in 2021, $45 in 2022. Pretty crazy numbers. Cheesecake, what were your thoughts on this move? I think it's a great contract for him. Uh, that 40 45 gives him a chance to opt out after two and pick up another similar contract somewhere else. Your favorite team might be having Trevor Bauer add add into their rotation in 2023 or next season. Who knows? But I think he's staying for at least two, collect that $85 million. I mean, this is another rich getting richer. You know, Dodgers, wow, that, that staff is going to be amazing. They have him, Walker Bueller, and Clayton Kershaw. I don't know a one through three that's that good in the league right now, and there's some good ones. And then you've got... Julio Urias, David Price, 
Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin. There's a lot of upset Dodgers people that have drafted Dodgers out there, honestly, because those guys were back-end guys that you were hoping to snipe. Doc, what did you make of this move? Uh, as Art said, the rich get richer. I mean, I I don't think anybody was really surprised that the Dodgers went out and got him. It was seemed like it was between them and the Mets. Good for Rachel Luba for signing him to that deal, but I am not a fan of how it went down. They played Mets fans. They swindled them out of money, saying that Trevor Bauer is going to come. I think it was a planned move, and I think they should refund all the Mets fans who bought Trevor Bauer Mets apparel. I'm disgusted by that. I agree. They played out the process, but didn't do it necessarily the right way. I completely agree with you. The next bit of news, the Braves re-signed outfielder Marcel Ozuna to a four-year deal. The club announced it's going to be $65 million in guarantees that could reach up to $80 million if the Braves pick up his option in year five. Doc, I'm interested to hear, do you think, I mean, this is a huge pay raise for Ozuna. Do you think it's worth it for him to come back to Atlanta? I have, I like Marcelo Ozuna. I haven't been as high a fan of him as anyone else, but I think with the Braves, this is their win now window where they are very stacked on hitting. They're going to have Albies. They're going to have Acuna, Freeman, Ozuna, Marcakis. I think this is their time now. They signed, uh, which pitcher they signed to a one-year deal? Uh, Charlie Morton. So I don't like the four-year deal, but I, I'd rather pay him that than lose him. I mean, they did need some more bats in their lineup. But another bit of big news that went down actually just yesterday, the Royals have announced a three-team deal to acquire outfielder Andrew Benatendi. Still gives me shudders saying his name. From the Red Sox, outfielder Franchi Cordero is part of the deal going to Boston with righty Josh Winkowski, who will come from the Mets. The Boston organization also received three players to be named later, two from the Kansas City and one from New York. The big name going to the Mets is Khalil Lee, who has a lot of speed, has been able to steal a lot of bases in the minors. So, Cheesecake, what do you make of this deal from all these sides? Because I guess not as many from the Mets because... Right now, there's not impact players necessarily, but what about from Boston and Kansas City? Yeah, it seems like the Mets only had to get involved so that the Red Sox got a pitching prospect back because KC didn't have a pitching prospect that they were interested in. It seems like KC gave a prospect to the Mets so that the Mets would give a prospect to the Red Sox. But I like I like Franchi Cordero going to, to Boston. I don't know. Our, our guest today, Davithius, sent out a tweet today about what Franchi Cordero would have been doing if, if he was hitting in. Fenway Park for all of his batted balls and he'd had like 15 more home runs over the course of his career he's only has 350 or so career plate appearances and uh hasn't really done that well but he's 26 he's going to get a chance to get some playing time and I think Benintendi he, he needed to change his scenery uh Boston had soured on him and Boston's a tough place to be when they are not set, not high on you anymore they think you're well, you're done uh it's a tough spot to play it is for sure, and I think he. I actually am in on him as a bounce back candidate for next year. He, the, I think our friend of the show, Pat Light, actually put it out there that he said a lot of these guys. You talked about the pressure in Boston, and that he's more of a guy that it looks like he's going to succeed where the lights aren't on him. He's not one of those guys that's big into the bright lights. He's kind of a a quiet guy, and that the this change in scenery where the spotlight is not on him is going to be a real benefit for him. So. I definitely think he's someone that you're going to be able to snag late now that's going to be some value. In other news, in a rather stunning swap of veterans, prospects, and cash between division rivals, the Rangers are sending longtime shortstop Elvis Andrews, 
catching prospect Aramis Garcia and $13.5 million in cash to the Athletics. For outfielder designated hitter Kairis Davis, catcher Jonah Heim, and right-handed pitcher Dane Acker. So a lot to break down here, but let's talk about just the two big leaguers in this deal. And let's go to you, Doc. What are your thoughts on this Elvis Andrews for Chris Davis swap? I'm kind of confused from the uh, range or from the ace perspective. Are they going all in, or are they are they trying to sell pieces? Matt Chapman has been rumored getting traded to the Mets. I think Elvis Andrews is a more consistent bat, so I like that upgrade for them. Chris Davis certainly provides a good source of power. Maybe they, you know, just like we said with Ben Attendi, they both needed a change of scenery, and it's it's tough to find good uh, shortstops. And Elvis Andrews probably been one of the top ones for the last decade, so. Hopefully it works out for them. Yeah, he's he's fallen off a little bit over the last couple of years. And now with Marcus Semien not there, they needed someone to plug in at shortstop. So I get that. Uh, it's just veterans that I think were struggling. So maybe a change of scenery type of thing can work for him. But I don't see too much wrong with it. Next bit of news here. My, I, let you, me just throw oh, one thing out cheesecake, there. Cheesecake, you go ahead and, and put sorry, your fork I, in. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I just uh, I, I wanted to just throw something out there. Jonah Heim, the, the catcher that went from Oakland to Texas, going to be the backup catcher in Texas. Uh, Oakland pitchers loved throwing to him, according to Eno Saris' tweet. So he, his 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 pitch framing and his catching is are very good, and he had some really good hitting numbers in his stops at double and triple A. And right now the uh, Texas is running out there Jose Trevino, who I consider just basically to be a source of late at bats. Uh, but I don't think he does much with them. So, you know, if you're if you're catch if you're doing a late draft and hold, Heim is someone who I'd look at as a very late catcher who might end up running into some at bats uh, on Texas. Cheesecake, you're you're flexing your catcher knowledge. Is that because you've been writing articles? This is because I've been writing articles about catchers. Yeah, <laughs> subtle flex. He's, he's just sticking. He's, might as well just be like, "Where's the beach?" That way, but well, his yeah, bicep yeah. is catchers. Well, I was looking. I, I, you got, you're looking at all the depth charts, and I'm like, Jonah Heim, who is this guy? So I had to, I had to research him, and now I'm like, oh, I kind of like him. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Some good baseball info in the news and notes. There you go. Like that. Other bit of big news that we'll touch on here. After years of fielding questions about record home run rates and variations of the baseballs, Major League Baseball announced last Friday that it's changing the balls and how they'll be handled for the 2021 season. We're talking about slightly reduced weight, slightly decreased bounciness, the latter of which would decrease home runs. So, Cheesecake, I'll start with you, and then I'll go to you, Doc. Is this affecting the way you draft? Uh, there's, there's, I'm not going to be the one who does the research, but I've started to see some research come out on Twitter about whose home runs would have been affected the most by this. And I think it's, you, you know, I... I <laughs> It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because a change like this is it's going to be subtle and it's going to produce big differences because it's going to produce little differences on every single pitch, you know, little, little changes. Um, so I, I think that I saw that, um, you know, uh, Carlos Santana actually is someone who loses a lot of home runs with this ball. Mookie lost something like 30 percent of his home runs with this ball. Uh, so it, there, there is going to be some significant home run downgrade. Uh, some people are going to, you know, everyone's going to get some. Uh, and I also think that some of the pitchers who had home run problems last year, maybe you're not quite so worried this year. But uh, 
I haven't had a chance to really dig into this to kind to see how yet how I'm I'm guessing it's going to work out. You guys had any thoughts on that? I'll let Doc answer first. Go ahead. So I think it's funny because David Price tweeted, and he's been pretty outspoken. I thought MLB said it hadn't been juiced. LOL. Pitchers knew all along. Baseball's had a different feel and a different sound. Happy to see they're attempting to go back to the regular baseball. So I wonder kind of what spurred this change because as I think for the normal fan, they enjoy seeing more home runs, more runs being scored. They don't like seeing a pitcher's duel. I'm bumping pitchers up a little bit, and I was already doing that because I think the shortened 2020 season was hurting them more than it was hitters. But since we don't have a sample size of, I mean, it could be the smallest difference and might not have that big of an impact. So I'm kind of waiting till we have more data and people like Elsie do the research to see if, uh, <laughs> to see the impact that I'll have moving forward. Yeah, it's right now, it's kind of just being murmured a little bit more. I want to see when spring training comes around, what we're looking like. A lot of people smarter than me, if they're coming out with things more and more as time goes on. Uh, for right now, I'm kind of in the let's wait and see what happens kind of thing. I'm not letting it affect my draft quite yet, but I could see it definitely affecting mine as more time goes on. Uh, some last bit of things we'll cover here. The Mets signed former Cubs great Albert Almora Jr. just for you, Cheesecake, to a major league deal. Are you sad about that loss, by the way? Uh, he's a good uh, he's a good defensive outfielder, but he never never came through. I liked him when we drafted him. He has really good makeup. I, I kind of kind of was hoping he'd be one of those leadership type of guys because he's that's that was the the sort of description of his makeup and he, he never never came through with the performance but he's a very good defensive outfielder expect to platoon potentially with him and Brandon Nimmo Jonathan VR signed a one-year guaranteed 3.55 million dollar deal with the Mets had reportedly agreed to sign with the Reds but just spurned them away because it was only a minor league deal Cardinals re-signed icon Yadier Molina to a one-year $9 million deal. Doc, was that surprising to you? Because $9 million is a lot. I think they know that this is his last year, so they're willing to pay whatever he wants. And I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, look, we'll give you the money, but you got to retire this year. Don't pull this BS of threatening to go to another team. Could be. Could be. Behind He's earned curtain. it, though. He's earned it. $9 million for an aging catcher seems like a lot of money to me. Yeah, but how many people have spent like 18 years with one organization? At that point, you then have more leverage to call shots. Sure. The, doc, the Diamondbacks have also agreed terms with free agent reliever Joaquin Soria, so he could try to fit in the closing mix there, muddying up the closing waters even more. And would not want to close this out without mentioning Baseball community is mourning over the sudden passing of ESPN reporter Pedro Gomez. Gomez unexpectedly passed away at his home. Yes, uh, this was a couple days ago now at the age of 58. I just want to ask each of you before we kind of close up shop here, what are your memories of Pedro Gomez, if you have any cheesecake? You know, just him on SportsCenter, him commenting. Um, really, ever since he passed, you'd see uh, people sharing stories about what a great guy he was. And I think his... Um, his son is in the Red Sox organization mm-hmm. right now. Uh, so you'd see pictures in, 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 of him with his son. You just see how proud he was, a proud dad. Uh, you know, lost for baseball, for sure. Doc, what about you? I just remember, and I, you know, we've been following baseball for a while, him always having a smile on his face. He always seemed to be in a joking mood. And someone that, that you can tell 
really worked his way to get there from someone from a Hispanic descent. This job wasn't just handed to him. And you have to really respect the work ethic and the grind that he had to work for that platform like ESPN. It's a very, very sad day and, and um, you know, month for the baseball community. And as we're talking about Pedro Gomez, Pedro Gomez is, uh, I just remember him being just a smiling guy on, on Sports Center, And yeah, he, he's just been, um, he's one of the most positive human beings I remember watching on TV. Uh, so we so just rest in peace from us and, and everybody else that has the same sentiments and a bit of breaking news. Actually, right as we finish this up right here, the thanks to Cheesecake's cell phone, the C. Atoll Mariners signed Ken Giles. So that's going to now money up the waters for everybody that was hoping Rafael Montero is going to be their closer. Cheesecake, since you broke the news, since by showing up your phone on camera, do you think he takes the job over Montero? Uh, I'm guessing they're just specking on him, giving him a chance to, uh, is he, wait now, he, he went Tommy, he did Tommy John on October 1st. Uh, so he's not going to be pitching in 2021. So um, I, I think he's going to. I did not realize he had Tom TJ this off season. So he's going to be. He's going to be for the 2022. My bad. You're My bad. A Bob Nightingale. That's what you are. I'm Bob Nightingale. <laughs> so wait, wait. What it's do we cold. like better, cheesecake passing or art passing? <laughs> no, he's a Nightingale. We don't okay. give him the cheesecake Nightingale or art Nightingale. I kind of like art Nightingale. <laughs> that could be his alter ego. Gosh, break break bad news or break bad, you know, false news. That's that's not I what you, I want to be known for. I hope you leave that in there too. <laughs> I cut it all out. So if you like hearing cheesecake mess up, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more triple play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy football show and a fantasy basketball show that you can check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about lighting up that Apple Podcast app with a five-star rating and review to support the show? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TripPlayFantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides daily questions, horrible takes, and of course, our weekly episode drops. Now, when it comes to podcasts, I can't imagine one with more options than fantasy baseball. You've got points leagues, you got roto leagues, you got best ball leagues. I mean, that's, that's three types right there. At the end of the day, talking about a ball, a bat, and some men... There's a lot of redundancy, plain Jane's out there, if you know what I'm saying. So why not keep it fresh with the crew who got you that championship, the podcast that keeps it real and tells you like it is, and that's Triple Play. Where's that, my friends? If you're not hip already, you will be soon. Keep on joining us for an amazing offseason of fantasy baseball content with no shortage of amazing guests. And thank you to our loyal listeners for tuning in each and every single week. We'll be right back with Starting Pitcher Preview Part 3 with Dave Swan right after this quick break. Tonight, we welcome in a man whose last name describes the beauty of his physical appearance and his baseball analysis. A baseball contributor to PitcherList, Fantrax, and Rotoball, this FSWA member makes half the podcast members tonight Cubs fans and also makes half of, half of us Daves. We welcome in the Greek god, a.k.a. the Vithius, a.k.a. Dave Swan. What is going on, my man? Hey guys, how you doing tonight? <laughs> pretty good, oh, man. Pretty yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, stop looking at me, Swan. <laughs> oh yeah, here's right there. 
Um, so yeah, dude, I have to know the Vithias. It's again, you might be a Greek god. I don't want to say you're not, but where did that name come from? Yeah, so I think I told this before. So where I was like, I it was like one day after softball, and like we all went to the bar afterwards, and there was like some like really old butterfly that like wouldn't leave me alone, and she's like, "What's your name?" And I just was like, "Dave," whatever. And she's like, kept saying, "Davis, Davis," and it was like <laughs> she was just drunk and yelling it everywhere, and so for like the longest while, everyone just called me Davis. And I don't remember what I tried to put on Twitter, but it wasn't working. And then I put Davis, and it was like taken. <laughs> like, that's gotta be, like, ridiculous. So I don't remember how I came up with Davis, either, but that's just how it stuck. Sounds like a drunk night. It very much was. <laughs> Those are the best ones. Yeah, I mean, I wish I had a cool nickname like that. Again, it's, I think everybody hears that name, they know exactly who it's related to. Uh, and, I mean, man, that name is Karen Strong, because, I mean, you're with Pitcher List. You're with MLB Rotoballer, and I mean, you're with Fantrax HQ. I mean, you're at all these big spots, man. How are you finding all the time to to uh, con- do content for all these guys? Because you're, I mean, I've read a bunch of your content, obviously, being on Fantrax with you, and your stuff is just legit fire, man. Like, how do you find in the time for all this? Uh, I, I mean, I, I see baseball is like a passion of mine, right? Like, it's one of those things I get up, I just put away and re- researching players and then it's like I put out some tweets today over at Rotoballer and so I usually kind of get that set up first thing and then you know, just kind of you know I'm playing like I'm always in a draft room always drafting mm-hmm. so it's just like uh, more and more as you're diving and digging into players you just kind of like you get this itch that you want to keep putting things out you know and that's just kind of like uh, where it comes to and then I just can't wait for the season to start because I'll be writing something like every day. Yeah, it's a grind. I think everybody that that knows how much, I mean, there's so much that changes, whether you see stuff in their StatCast profiles, whether you see stuff with with video or or not video, whether you see them certain struggling with, you know, certain pitches or guys changing pitch mixes. It's There's so much that you can write about weekly, daily, everything. So, I think fantasy baseball more than any other sport is easier to have come up with daily content than other sports, just at least in my opinion. Um, but sure. I mean, it, I get that. And you do like you do a lot of DFS stuff, I always see. And gosh, like the minute I like hit send and submit and put like a like something out there for DFS, like twenty minutes later I want to edit it and put something else. Out. Like <laughs> it is just the biggest grind when you're doing. Like when you're doing DFS, it's like. But then I think it's just a massive high, you know, as well. So that's part of it, I guess. Oh yeah, the rush from DFS is unmatched, especially if you pick some guys in like the the Blue Jays lineup, and they're all the guys you picked are mashing. You're like, you see yourself rising up the leaderboards, and you're like, oh my god, like I have a Ooh. shot. There was one time last year that I uh I had made a sub between my pitcher and my hitter, and I had saved money and spent down. Instead of Jacob Degrom, I spent down for a pitcher, and I would have gone Jacob Degrom, Rowdy Telez, but instead I went a uh, a pitcher that costs less, and I paid up for another first baseman instead. But I had that exact combination, and I would if I had kept that combination, I would have won the thirty k for the. My uh, God, are you still talking? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thanks for shutting me up. Let's not, we'll talk about my DFS failures for that. 
Let, let's we'll dive into what we're here to talk about, and that's Triple Play Fantasy's starting pitcher preview part three. And we're heading into the 2021 season, trying to give an early look at each position, how we feel about each player going into next season. And we're going to be using NFBC rankings from January 18th as our template as we look at starting pitchers going 61 to 100 and maybe even a couple beyond 100. And since we're kind of at the range right now where they're not risky to take them at where they are, we're just going to talk about three guys that we really like in this range, and we're going to explain why, just like in school. Hopefully, there'll be some disagreements, things thrown across the room, feelings hurt tonight. That's what we're here for. We're here to disagree. And let's take these 12 players, let's dissect them like we were in biology class, and let's start off with the first one. Dave, kick us off here. Who's someone you want to talk about? Uh, I think the first one I'd like to talk about in this range that I really like is um, Jose Urquidy. Uh, I was talking about it like last weekend with a bunch of friends, uh, and I actually said this out loud, and people were like, what? And I said, I would rather take Urquidy over Framber Gomez. And mm. they kind of like all lost their mind. I'm like, well, I think Framber's like, you know, he has no like... Uh, um, discount on this price. You're just kind of paying the premium right now. Tough you there. And for me, I, I really like Urquidy for where he's going. And maybe it's part of like where I'm taking like in drafts. It takes, you know, a couple pitchers up early. And this is like the range where I start hitting it a little bit harder. Uh, a couple things about Urquidy that like stand out to me. So his spin rates, they're like the same as they were last year, except he found an incredible amount of movement out of these pitches. And for a really young pitcher, so, like, his breaking ball is finding all this extra movement with the spin rate being the same. You can kind of see a guy who's progressing and getting better and better, um, especially with, like, not having the greatest uh, fastball. This kind of helps him a little bit where I think he's going to be able to take it and just move it on to the next level, especially at the, the point where you're able to get him. Uh, and he has, like, a, a pretty soft schedule to start the season. Yeah, he's going pick 225 right now, 85th pitcher off the board. I mean, it's great value right now. And that's a hot take because I don't think I've heard too many people talking about him being better than Fran Valdez. Um, like, I wouldn't say he's like like a better pitcher on paper. I think where you're taking him, you're going to get so much more out of him. Mm-hmm. And the problem with Fran is he's getting that massive push-up. And I'm like, well, why isn't Akiti getting the massive push-up? You know, it seems like they're just pushing Fran way up the list. And Akiti could be somebody that uh, I think you could, you know, potentially outperform him uh, just given what's going on. Do you like Christian Javier as well? Because they're all kind of three of the back-end guys in that Houston rotation. Not necessarily. I think That's I would fair. put him... Like, I'd put him for only the third, and I'd, I'd put him like 1, 1A, and then uh, Vasquez down... Or Javier Vasquez down at the bottom. I get it. Three's company. That's fine. You can stick mm-hmm. with the other two. Let's move to Cheesecake. Give us a guy on your list that you're looking at in this range. I want to echo Urquidy. I I took him a lot in the early drafts, uh, and you know it's it's weird. I, I if I've taken a guy a lot, I'll like fade him just because I already have a lot of shares of him. But I love Urquidy, and and it's weird. Doing this is going to get me back in on on drafting Urquidy. Yeah. I want to bring up Taiwan Walker. I think Taiwan Walker after the Bauer signing has you know cleared up the market a little bit. There's some some rumors. There were some rumors he was going to go to St. Louis. But St. Louis looks to be done spending right now, perhaps Philadelphia. Uh, I'm not 100% sure where he's going to end up, but I like him wherever he's going. He's uh, He's been working since driveline, since, with driveline since 2019, and he's looking actually for an analy- analytically forward-thinking front office to work with him. I think that 
that bodes well for his performance. It, show, it shows you that the performance that he put out in 2020 was uh, was based upon work and not based upon less based upon uh, sort of like fluky things because you see that he did some things to change what he was doing and it, and it, and it, uh, it increases, it made bad, good results. He's expecting to throw faster next year. He says after two seasons off, he was not throwing as hard as he could last year. So I would expect a small velo uptick for him. So uh, he's only 28 years old. He's going right now, pick 309. Uh, I like him. I think once he signs, he is going to start creeping up the draft board. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm jumping in on him as often as I can right now. I can't believe he's only 28 years old. He seems like an old 28. Yeah. Around. I mean, but he, I mean, you're right, Cheesecake. I mean, he's, he's been effective when he's been there, been there. The driveline baseball effect is real. You see guys upping their velo and then kind of helping them just overall become a more effective pitcher. And the value right now where he's going at after pick 300, it's not a lot to invest in. And is, does he have, has there been any news as far as teams he's whittled it down to, or is it still just a completely no idea where he's going? No, no, there was a MLB trade rumors said Philadelphia and St. Louis last week for him. But uh, then they said that St. Louis is probably done after Arenado, which makes sense. Um, so, but I, I still think, uh, you know, maybe he'll take a short, a one-year prove-it contract with a, with a team that he really wants to play for, someone like, that uses driveline. I'm not sure Cincinnati's going to spend, but that would be a nice location for him because they're such into driveline. But um, uh, I think you know he could Philadelphia would be would be okay. They they do well with their pitchers. Uh, it's not the perfect ballpark, but that's the only thing I've heard so far. Okay, fair enough. Doc, where are you going? So the first guy I'm liking is Justice Sheffield, and he's somebody that's seen his numbers get better each year. Uh, he only threw 2.2 innings in 2018, but 2019, uh, from 2020, he lowered his ERA by almost uh, two whole runs. He dropped his whip from 1.72 to 1.3. He lowered his walk rate from 10.7% to 8.6%. He allowed 0.3 home runs per nine last year. His last four starts, he went 25 innings pitched, four earns, 19 Ks, and eight walks. He's not going to be that huge strikeout upside guy. Uh, and last year was his first year throwing his sinker, which he threw about 47.4% of the time. And that had a 304 batting average. So I think that's something that maybe he plays with a little bit because his other pitches, his slider, there was a 192 batting average against, and his changeup was a 244 batting average. He only threw six fastballs the entire season. So I think if he can get a good fastball or sinker, that those other pitches are going to be much more effective. No, I agree. I, I think I've heard many people start talking him up. And the only problem I would say that he might be, he's going to be part of a six-man rotation. So you might have to worry potentially about how many starts he's going to get. Obviously, the whole innings concern is for every team next year. But I think when the teams already are announcing that there is six-man in rotation. Uh, but again, at the same time, he is going extremely late. so. That's kind of that risk is also baked in there as well. Uh, but he looks like he could be very effective this year. I like that call, Doc. Rare the, compliment. Yeah, don't get used to it. The guy I have to bring up, I've been waiting to get to this range for a long time because I have to bring up Aaron Savale. And uh, he's having talked to him and just looking to his profile. I It's, it's very interesting because you already know that he's able to limit walks. He has great command. Here in his two seasons in the majors, 
He had a 7% walk percentage his first year, a 5% walk percentage in 2020. He throws so many pitches in the strike zone. He actually threw 358 of his 863 pitches in 2019 in the zone, 41%. That number jumped to 48% in 2020, and that 7% jump was the highest in all of baseball. And if you break it down even more, he had 229 more pitches in the strike zone in the shortened season than he did in 2019. And to take that even further, the only other pitcher that actually increased the amount of pitches in the strike zone was Tyler Glass now, and he had 30. So you had 199 pitch difference between first and second place with the pitches in the strike zone. So talking with Savali about that, he said he needs to get better at getting better strike to ball pitches and ball to strike pitches. He said that he didn't have enough of that difference last year in his pitches and that hitters were seeing it too well off of him with him being in the zone. He's got to do a better job of making hitters seem like it's a ball and it drops in for a strike. And then hitters looking like it's a strike and dropping in for a ball. He said he didn't master that well enough last year with how much he was in the zone. And that's something he's, he's going to make sure he's conscious of next year. And But you look already, if he fixes that, he already has a great K percentage. He upped his K per nine to basically almost a K per nine last year. He gets a lot of whiffs, has four good pitches that he can go to. He, he pairs a spinning fastball up in the zone with a nice heavy ground ball sinker and effective curve. I think with his four above average offerings and his kind of his mindset, working with the Cleveland organization, I think this is a dude that if you're not already on board with him, you've got to get on board with him because he is going to be a great, great value for where he's going right now. And if he was great until his last few starts of the season last year, so this is someone you got to buy back in on. Snipe him if you're in drafts with David. He will be so annoyed. <laughs> not as annoyed as Nick Savali <laughs> would be, but yeah. Uh, Dave, any one that we brought up between those three that you agree or disagree on? No, I mean, I'll make legitimate cases for him, especially like where they're going. Didn't get a lot of admitting. Uh, I wouldn't say like, like, it's not that I don't like Iwan Walker. I, it's just so close and he still hasn't signed yet. So that's a little nerve wracking, but. I totally understand. It just might depend on where he goes, right? Because you're taking him, he ends up signing just for whatever reason out the Rockies. I'm kind mm. of like, you know, just, it, it could just be a horrible park instance and you're like, okay, now what am I doing with this four or five pitcher? I think I'm still like maybe a little bit more uh, looking for more upside on that, that pick. But otherwise, like, I, I totally get why you would get him and I've taken him in like some best balls because if he goes to, like Philly or another really good team, it's, it's a huge boom. No, agreed. And that's a good point, Dave. Like with someone on sign and you're taking them now, they could sign with Colorado, like you said, and then nobody wants to touch them anymore. So that's the risk you do take with these guys that are unsigned. Or how well are they, you know, uh, pitchers and catchers report, was it next week? And how long did it take them to ramp up? Is it is it next week? It's the 17th. Some of them are coming or, or starting up, yeah. Okay, yeah, so... There you go. I mean, very. Uh, I think those concerns are very valid, Dave. Let's let's move to the next guy we'll talk about here. And Dave, lead us off with another guy in this range that you like. So this is a guy I was taking like uh, quite a bit last year, and that was Zach Eflin. And he's a guy that I like because he made the, the pitch change. And a lot of people said it happened in 2020. And if you look back, it actually happened in September of 2019. It's almost like he was having terrible success. You know, with the with the four seam and said, okay, screw it. Uh, you know, maybe they said, look, it's got because he has terrible fastball spin. When you've got no spin in your fastball, you're probably better off switching to a sinker. 
which doesn't quite rely on a fastball spin to get the rise anyway. So uh, as soon as he switched that, you know, he's always kind of hit the barrel rate a little bit lower. Um, I think it made a little bit more sense because he kind of seems to pitch a little bit more horizontal anyway, as opposed to north to south. Uh, and so I just thought it fit a little bit more in the profile for what he had. Uh, you know, he's going right back up into Philly. He's going to get back, you know, uh, JT Realmuta, very good catcher. Um, and it's just, you know, you saw that strike, the, the walk ratio kind of uh, start separating itself a little bit more this year as soon as he did that. Uh, there's some concerns I have a little bit about the whip because that kind of jumps up there from times because he does get hit a little bit, albeit not super hard, but that's a guy that you know I'm really targeting a lot in drafts because I think there's quite a bit of value there. Do you think the inconsistencies might be done? I know Nick Pollock calls him a cherry bomb and that he's very much can have two or three good starts and then just all of a sudden blows up. Do you think those days are behind him? Do you think that he's really kind of changed who he is as a pitcher to where you're comfortable with those blow-ups not happening quite as much? I mean, at, at this point in the draft, it's probably my... So Nick has a thing where he likes to... Four solid pitchers, mm-hmm. and then that's sort of his I think four solid pitchers, and then kind of uh, a glut in between, and he tries to find a few that can stick. And at this point, it's just personally for me in drafts. Like I've already had three, and I'm double tapping in this range, if not more. And uh, I understand it, but I think you'll be able to see who he's going to succeed against and not. And I understand where the pitch is kind of going in and out. Um, I still think he might be that way a little bit, so it can be wonky. So it's like. Enter with some caution on this one. Okay, fair enough. Doc, let's go to you next. Give us a guy that you want to talk about. Yeah, so in this range, I'm okay with taking players that are a little more injury-prone that have really good upside. And I think that fits the mold for James Paxton with an ADP of 257. From 2014 to 2019, from that six-year span, sub-4 ERA every season. The last four years, he started a minimum of 20 games and 121 innings pitched. Now, obviously, he's had a lot of IL stints, but Nothing that's kept him out for the entire season. From 2017 to 2020, at least a 28% K rate. In 2020, he didn't have any terrible outings. He was consistent. He just gave up three earned runs every outing in one, three, 6.1, five, and five innings pitched. Um, Scott Boris said that he wasn't fully healthy, that he was recovering from offseason back surgery. And Matthew Boyd has been working out with him now. And he said whoever is going to get him is getting a steal. He looks better than he ever has. We dove into some stuff, breaking down fastballs and understanding spin direction and all that. His ball takes off. It's fun to catch. Whoever gets him, they're getting an ace. He's been hitting 94 consistently uh, with uh, the workouts that scouts have been doing, which is up from his 92-mile-per-hour fastball average last year. So once again, he's someone that has some injury concern, but I think he still has some upside and is worth taking this late. Did you say he's working out with Matthew Boyd? I know Matthew Boyd is not popular wrong. in the fantasy wrong. circles. Wrong. Wrong. wrong, wrong, You don't, if you're bringing, try to have an argument about it, don't talk about Matthew Boyd as being a positive influence because he has been far from it the last few years. I mean, wouldn't you rather someone that's in the baseball circle say that than like a random beat writer? I mean... It's like if I'm around you and I'm like, I've been hanging around Eric, my podcasting game has been stepping up. It's not saying much. I mean, has your podcast game been stepping up? Not because of you. Okay, well, I, that, you didn't draw a conclusion from that. You're you're locked into a fallacy argument, David. Wrong. <laughs> Go ahead, Cheesecake. Give us your guy. 
I'm going to go way, way back, way deep in the draft. Uh, talk about a guy who I was all in on last summer and really uh, thought was going to take off. Didn't Adrian Hauser? I'm diving oh, right back into Adrian Gosh. Hauser. Absolutely. Gosh, I'm, I'm throwing up just thinking about drafting him like I did last year. Yeah, I yeah. know. It was it was it was a tough season for for Adrian. It was 56 innings though. It was uh, 56 innings of a 5.30 ERA. His FIP and Sierra were both under that. Uh, he he started pitching even more ground ball heavy. But what happened was his home run to fly ball ratio went through the roof. Went up from 18 to 24 percent. He's getting more ground balls. But I, you know, a few of them were finding finding holes that uh, that I think with Colton Wong back there are going to be they're going to be less holes to to go through the infield. His his, uh, his ground ball percentage went up actually to almost sixty percent. His launch angle was down to one point four percent, which is about the lowest I've ever seen, uh, and down from from a very low also five point three percent in nineteen. So he's he's really pushing those ground balls. I think uh, I think with Colton Wong. They're going to be a lot more of them are going to get uh, get hoovered up and, and turn into outs. His his fastball velocity was down a little bit last year, and that mm-hmm. is a little bit concerning. But um, but I think at four ninety three, he's currently penciled in as a number four starter in Milwaukee. You might you might uh, you might be able to get one hundred forty innings of of a pretty good pitcher, a guy who everyone believed in eight months ago, or a lot of I believed in eight months ago, and I think that uh, you know. I'm willing to give him a pass on that small sample size and to say at 28 years old, you know, I don't think he's finished. I still think he has good stuff to come. So Cheesecake, if he comes out and his velocity is the same as last year, is that concerning for you at all? To He's not a guy that's going to make you swing and miss a ton. So is, is he, that velocity is down or, and you see that in spring training, are you staying away? Yeah, the velocity dip, I think, uh, was part of the reason why the fastball, which had a 203 batting average against in 2019 had a 350 batting average against in 2020. So I, when you, if I'm seeing him throwing, you know, 92, 93 instead of 93, 94. Yeah. I, I am going to be a little bit concerned, but drafting right now, I think it, I, I, I'm going to just assume that he's going to get his velocity back. Cause he, like I said, he's only 28 years old. Okay. Fair enough. I'm going to bring up a guy that I used to share an alter ego with, and that's Dane Dunning. And, I when I had an Instagram, I didn't want my students to find. I named it Dane Dunning when he was still like a Double A prospect in the uh, White Sox system. So we've always been kind of connected, me and him. But the reason I bring up Dane Dunning is not because of Instagram; it's because I see a lot of potential for him in this coming season. He needs to vastly improve versus left-handed hitters, as his splits between both were pretty drastic. He needs to improve his changeup, so it's shown that it can actually be an effective pitch against opposite-handed hitters, but it obviously, again, same side, it's not working quite as well. It, tra- it vastly trails his breaking ball, and he needs to ditch the two-seamer to left-handed hitters as well and then go heavy, more heavy four-seamer, and I think the Rangers will hopefully let him do that. He's got already a nasty slider, a 43.5% whiff rate on that slider, so if he keeps that same approach against right-handed hitters that he already had, which he went heavy sinker and slider, and uses this new approach versus lefties, I think it's going to uh, yield a lot better results in 2021 for him. And you already know that he's going to get the chance to pitch because the Rangers don't have a ton of options in that rotation. So this might be a guy that's going to soak up a lot of innings for you. Maybe it's a high threes ERA, uh, a K per nine type of guy. But again, at this point in the draft, that's fine. He's going to give you the innings and he's going to go out there every single day and start. He's got potential to give you some good numbers. So I think he's a, a good worth the risk here. 
Uh, and I don't, I think his ADP, if I look, I think it is, he's going as 107, pick 289. So not bad price for that. Not for a guy that's going to start every single day and be part of that rotation. So you're going to take your boy Dylan Cease or Dane Dunning? No, I'm I'm all Dylan Cease. You go Cease over Dunning? I go Cease over Dunning. I, okay. I'm, okay. I planted my flag on Dylan Cease this year. All right. Uh, uh, I mean, I I think that's I think that's a bold take right there. That's that's spicy. Uh, that's what I like to do. But yeah, yeah, when you plant your flag, you gotta. I mean, their ADP discrepancy isn't like humongously different, if I remember correctly. He's so Dane Dunning is 107, and Dylan Cease is 149. So I mean, it, it's a more more of a gap than I thought, but I do think Cease is going to come back this year and come back strong. So, Dave, what are your thoughts on those guys that we just listed? Yeah, I like them all. To be honest with you, it's it's a, a list that I like, especially like Dunning. I think they're just going to leave him out there to pitch like inning after inning as much as they can. It's a bad team that's just going to see what this guy is and develops, especially after making quite a trade that they did. Uh, so that's definitely somebody that I, I kind of like, especially as we're if he's searching for innings this year. Um, Pax was a guy I really liked last year because uh, I thought there was a chance it didn't work out because he was hurt. Uh, it just kind of sits in a, a place that I am for the draft. I think there could be like a tremendous upside. I know I heard rumblings like maybe he'd go to the Rays or something like that and they could fix something. Like There's plenty of places he could go and it would be okay. I, I think... Um, New rumor is Mets. Could be, oh, I think, like, there's, a, there's a huge... like. He's a great pitcher. Like when he's on, he's amazing. Like uh, I would be happy walking a draft with any th- any one of those three pitchers. To be honest with you, like I wish I could like be like oh I hate them all. But, <laughs> like those are solid like picks right there. Well, I mean, yeah, this is definitely we're picking. I think all of us are very kind of knowledgeable in the range of here pitchers we're picking, and we're not picking uh, just to float a name out here. I don't hear too many people talking about uh, AJ Puck or. Talking about, I, I do kind of like Robbie Ray for where he's going, but that's a tab you didn't bring David, up. David. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys here. I think, again, we get to this range is hard. There's not a lot of things to dislike what we talked about before. But, um, Dave, give, a, give us another guy in this range that you're also targeting. Uh, so I'm, I'm torn between two that I really like, and I was going to bring up. I want to touch on it real fast and the one I'll pick, but I think uh, Marcus Stroman's going to have like a really super year. He's working on developing that changeup. I think he's going to be a really good ratio king. That's just going to kind of like help bolster down your squad. And he's not the one I bring up, but like I have to bring him up. So I think he's he's going to be a good one. Uh, maybe for some more controversy is Nathan Avaldi. Mm. And so for me, there's a couple of reasons here. Uh, if not for like a walk blip that he had in 2019 that spiked to like 11 percent. He's actually been pretty good at mitigating the walks, even though that's kind of something that, that stung him last year. Short sample, maybe that stopped it, but the guy had like a sub 4% walk rate, and his K percentage just keeps climbing every year. You know, I look at it, it's like 18, 18, 20, 23, and last year he was up to 26. So, you know, when you're looking for some strikeouts, this is a guy with a big fastball at, at 97 miles an hour, and um, he mixes it with the splitter, which is like, has this just gigantic, you know, diurnal, like, 80-something degree, you know, or 10 degree, or 10 uh, mile per hour you know, difference to it. It keeps these guys just completely off balance. So um, I understand he throws this putter that just gets whacked all over the yard, and I, I totally get that. And so sometimes he's going to have those blow-ups. 
So I think you start him in the right places. He's kind of, um, again, for me, he's a guy like, we, we all have, I guess, PGFBI coming up, mm-hmm. right? And I think he's going to be a guy that you want to take right away. And if you can get him, like, at a root, I wouldn't say right away, but he's a guy you can take at the spot. He's got an opening start at Baltimore and another start at Tampa. And then at that point, if, if you, know, you could probably trade him, this could be two really good starts and, and really help bolster you like, at a really good start right away. Uh, I think there's enough there not saying, like, uh, you're going to use him at every single start. But I think there's enough there that when he starts, it's going to really peak very nicely. And then you can sit him out and have some replacement level in there. No, and, and like we kind of brought up with Dunning, he's going to have a leash to pitch there all the time. The rotation isn't very strong. And one of the things, bringing up Pollock again, that I know he's, he doesn't like guys that rely solely on the splitter because you can lose it at any time, but he's got such a good high lively fastball that he doesn't have to. It's, he can mix it in. So I, I think that's another good reason of bringing that up as well. But I, I agree. I mean, at the 90th pitcher off the board here, he's, like you said, besides that blip, he's shown that he can be consistent and that he's kind of, as I guess the injury concern might be there a little bit. But again, for his draft price, it's it's not too big of an ask. So I like that call. Cheesecake, let's go to you next. What are you thinking? Uh, I'm I'm loving Ryan Yarbrough at pick 245, the 93rd pitcher off the board. Yarbrough has, for a few years, Morphed more and more from a follower, uh, a guy who who does the bulk innings role behind uh, a a short inning reliever to start the game to more of a start of the last three seasons. He started six games out of 38 in 2018. He started 14 out of 28 in 2019. In 2020, he started nine out of 11. Right now, he's penciled in as a number three starter in Tampa Bay. Uh, Yarbrough limits home runs. He limits walks. He helps your ratios with a low whip. Um, he doesn't get a ton of strikeouts, but he's pitching for a good team. And I do expect Tampa Bay, even though they, they, they once again got rid of players, I do expect them to be competitive again this year. And Yarbrough has thrown over 140 innings, both 2018 and 2019 in the full-time starters role. I think he'll easily stretch out to 160 plus innings. He's 29 years old. There's no reason to baby his arm, uh, at this point. Uh, so you know, he's he's always good at limiting hard contact. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, buyback in on Tampa and a guy like Yarbrough, who I think is going to be getting that five or six innings every five, every fifth day for them, could get you, could spike some wins there, but he's also going to give you ratios. And he'll volume his way to some decent strikeout numbers. Yeah, and I, didn't they already announce that it's going to be Glass now is the only one regularly starting games, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, I I didn't catch that. They, they they're having they said one. I I would imagine Yarbrough will start at least twenty twenty five games this year. Is my thought. Uh, I'm hoping that he's a full time thirty start guy, but twenty to twenty five at least is what I would guess. Okay, I'll have to double check that. I thought I might have heard that they guaranteed Glass now is the only one taking a regular turn in the rotation. Not saying that Yarbrough won't pitch every five days as a follower or he won't start some, but I that's what I thought I heard. Uh, but I'll have to double check that. Tyler Glass now will probably get hurt, though, at some point. He might. Doc, give us your guy while I look this up. Yeah, so for me, it's Merrill Kelly, the 190th pitcher off the board with an ADP of 514. He is, is, okay, well, basically he has one MLB sample size. In 2019, he went 13 and 14 with a 4.42 ERA. But he made some late, uh, some very late adjustments in September of 2019, he threw less curves and change-ups and 
through more cutters and sinkers, emphasizing on adding miles per hour. And his stats were 33 innings pitched, 35 Ks, 10 walks, a 2.18 RA. You know whose tweet I got that from? Who? Dave Swan. <laughs> you suck up. That carried to 2020 as he had a 3-2 and two record with a 2.59 ERA and a .99 whip over five starts. Now, he had thoracic outlook, outlet surgery in September, and I know that's a big concern. I look at his durability before the MLB because in Korea from 2015 to 2018, he threw 181, 200, 190, and 158 innings. So he said he should be ready by the season. The D-backs think he's going to be ready. They picked up his $4.25 million option. We've seen some pitchers. I mean, Tyson Ross had the same surgery. His first season back was a little rough, but then he had a couple mid-four ERA seasons. Once again, this is a very, very late pick, but somebody that I think we haven't seen a large sample size on, but could provide some upside as a dart throw. So first, I'll say I couldn't find the glass now thing, so scratch what I said for right now. Uh, Making up rumors. But as far as Merrill Kelly goes, thoracic outlet syndrome to me is like, when I see that, I don't. I can't think of one pitcher that successfully come back from that to actually be good. You could say maybe they're mediocre, but I think of Phil Hughes and his career, how it derailed. I think of uh, I think of Matt Harvey. I think of how he derailed his career. You you have uh, um, who's coming? Uh, Chris Archer's coming back from it this year, but I I I see that, and to me that to sound like a Dave McDonald as far as injuries. This is the one that. Like, I think he's usually pretty spot on with the injury calls. This is the one injury that I like, I feel like I'm kind of how he is with just like arm injuries and stuff like that. This is the injury I see and I'm not touching, like no matter what. So, David, let me ask you, if he had a 4.15 ERA, would you say that that's bad for where you're taking him? What I mean, depending on his what his strikeouts are, what his whip is, uh, there's a lot of other factors besides his ERA that goes in if he's an effective pitcher or not for wanting to want to draft him. Just me. Yeah, so, so Tyson Ross coming back, 4.15 ERA, 1.3 whip, averaging about 7.3 strikeouts per nine. Different sport, but Markel Fultz came back from the same surgery, did well, and then <laughs> got a talking contract. about basketball. No, but we're talking about people that have bounced back from that injury. It's not like a... It's not like a, oh, hey, your career is over, like a, a you know, a Joe Theismann-esque injury. I don't know. Like I said, for, right. the for, 80, open. for ADP 514, I'm willing to take a flyer on him. Dave and then Cheesecake. Dave, are you drafting Merrill Kelly in any way, shape, or form this year? I do a lot of draft champions, and if I'm taking him at that point in the draft, Sure. At that point. Oh! Oh! Yeah! And he's putting his name is Dave, but he said, nah, fam! <laughs> At that point in the draft. But yeah, he's a guy that I, it's always intrigued me somewhat. Um, I don't know. There's a couple people that I would have to ask about that injury first. And whatever they told me, um, I would make that decision. I know who I could go to about it. They would give me a good, a good indicator as well. Dave Swan's got an insider, the insider thoracic outlet syndrome guy. Uh, <laughs> cheesecake, what about you? 
Man, uh, you know, I, I, I probably would, I probably would take him, but at that point, I'm, I'm probably 19 or 20 pitchers deep. So he's yeah. like my 20th or 21st pitcher. So it's not, it's not going to kill, kill me if he doesn't pitch well. But th- I mean, there's, there's other deep, deep guys. I think Alex Wood is still going way back there yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, I'm going Alex Wood over him. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple deep, deep guys that are, that are intriguing. I, I liked Kelly in 2019. Let's name game here. Let's name game. Interesting, David. Not the responses you expected. Let's name game, Dave. All right, start. Let's go, Dave. Name game. Alex Wood or Merrill Kelly? Alex Wood. And these are guys going like right around where he's going. Yeah, Josh, Alex Wood. Or, uh, would you take Rich Hill or Merrill Kelly? Merrill Kelly. Oh, okay. <laughs> would you take Ross Stripling or Merrill Kelly? Uh, Merrill Kelly. <laughs> You're killing me, Dave. God. Yes. I'm I, turning you know, into an eggplant. I did it for right up on Stripling. It's just, and he's got the tools, but he just doesn't put it together anymore. I don't know what's going on with him. He, he, uh, he could put it together and be great, but man. Oh. All right, I've got a few more for you. This is amazing. Uh, Stephen Brault or Merrill Kelly? Stephen Brault. Jump all over Stephen Brawl. He's the number one pitcher on the Pirates staff. Yeah. <laughs> Danny Danny Duffy or Merrill Kelly? That's tough. Who is Who is it? Danny Duffy or Merrill Kelly? Oh, Danny Duffy, easy. So there's there's a lot of guys that are going after Merrill Kelly that you could take over him. David waited till there were two yeah. non Merrill Kelly answers to stop it so that he could try to <laughs> Come on, go go and tell us your guy so we can say you're wrong. I mean, my guy is not <laughs> any controversy because he's a guy that's I think talked about more than any other guy right now in the industry, and that's John Means. And you can already preface everybody's already talked about that he was pegged as the opening day starter for the Orioles. He went on the IL with arm fatigue. Then his he lost his father to pancreatic cancer, and then he was transferred to the bereavement list. And then the IL while undergoing uh, COVID testing. So he had a lot of stuff go on at the beginning of the year, I think also contributing to why his ERA was so bad. But his fastball velocity jumped two miles an hour, and that appeared to make all the difference. His spin rate went up to the 88th percentile in the bigs, and he also had a 1.5% tick on that spin rate just from 2019 to 2020. This also helped increase a 10% whiff rate on his fastball. And the other big change I saw with his curveball increased usage the jump in usage really, I think, helped balance out the effectiveness of his fastball. So it seems like that that arsenal transformation really helped him. And, I mean, he's already been always great at commanding of the strike zone. So we talked about how he upped his Ks, but he brought his walks down to 4%. So, I mean, you got a guy that anytime you got you see a guy upping their Ks, decreasing their walks, and they're increasing their spin rate, their velocity. I mean, this guy just had everything working and building off of a strong, strong case to be taken well in 2021 and i think honestly as long as he goes to where that he's throwing his fastball up in the zone and then he's uh or down and basically he's got to locate his fastball if he's locating it he's nasty and i think that's all it's going to come locate your fastball and then that change up which was his signature pinch in 2019 got destroyed and he's got to relocate that change or rehone it a little bit more but i'm not on an island talking about how i'm in on john means i think 
I haven't heard one bad one bad thing about John Means this offseason. So you went with the safe answer, the guy that everybody's talking about, and we expect to respect your opinion. I go a bold one, and I'm wrong. At least I'm not a follower like you. I mean, I wrote an article on John Means. Like, oh my gosh, ago. that changes everything. Then David wrote an article on him. It does. I'm. Yeah. What was um, John Means' velocity for the first like eight bad starts he had? It's a good question. Was, I know it was, it was. It was. It was the same as the final four that. If it was, I mean, I have to look at his location, though, too, because he might not well, have been locating there, as well. A, and, and I'm not saying, like, anti-means. There is this, like, confound love for means. And people I, like, truly humbly respect in this, like, baseball community have said, like, great things. And it makes me really question. Because I look at it and see a guy that, like, he had this great velocity, but he didn't put together, like, a good year from start to finish. He just finished that way. And I know they talk about some of the hard things that happened to him. Uh, there's four of us on this podcast. We all had hard things that happened to us last year. I'm not being like a person who's in, like unsympathetic to him. It's just like there's so much love to him. And I'm like, how can everything? Maybe I'm totally missing it. I'm going to totally whiff on this one, but I don't see it. I don't know. Like as much as I look at it, I just don't see it. I don't know why. I mean, there was a couple other factors too. The spin rate going up, yeah. I think, helped that throughout the season. Again, I think that people are also optimistic about him refining that changeup, which was his best pitch in 2019. So, I, I yeah, think there's. Go ahead. If you're going to be a lefty, you need a changeup, especially in yeah. the MLB, you know, because you're facing so many righties. It's tough for me. Like I see the park, I see the people he goes up against. He's going to be in the AL, which probably has a DH and the others don't. Gosh, there's like so many things, and I just, I'm worried that we're going to come time to where we're doing like really big drafts here in the next few months, and his ADP is going to like soar because he's the hot name. Yeah, I think I could see him undergoing like a Joe Musgrove type of thing where his ADP or Kevin or Kevin Gosman, where these guys were like started out being values and their ADP rises so much that you're like, okay, I believe in them, but I'm not going that high to get them type of deal. So I can can see that. It's going to be a crazy one. This one, I'm I'm, like so interested to see how he performs. I'm I'm, really interested. No, I agree hundred percent. And again, we still have, another month and a half before the season starts to see how their ADP turns out. So it's going to be interesting to see for sure, but we'll put a bookmark in it there. We'll close out our starting pitching discussion there. We've talked three straight weeks about starting pitching. So hopefully we've ingrained some good pitching knowledge into our listeners heads. And we are going to get to the fun part of the show, starting with our question of the week. Dave, you know where that's from? No clue. Yoshi story? Uh, I'll be honest, I don't play any video games. Never? Like, you never played them? Uh, been... That was from when, like, we were kids. Yeah, I just never played a lot. <laughs> yeah. oh, Dave, killing me. Killing so, hey, me. How old, Dave, how old are you? That's yeah, a great age. You... When we it's were a great kids, age. David, when we were kids, there's a... I'm, I'm not even doing this now. I'm disappointed <laughs> I, in you. I would love to. I would love you. to play video games now, and I just don't have time. I get it. Yeah, I mean, especially now with how everything is right now, I get it. Uh, but our question of the week 
in the midst of transitioning to our new sponsor, which is a big announcement announcement coming in the next few weeks that you'll see on Twitter, we are right now going straight to the question of the week instead of giving you a weird ad that Eric's going to read. And our question of the week is, what is the best area to sit in the ballpark that's not home plate? And a bonus, if you have the particular ballpark in mind, you can say that as well. And Dave, you're the guest. We'll start with you. What are you thinking? Oh, this one's easy. I'm a Cubs fan, and you sit in the bleachers. It's just, uh, it's a big camaraderie, uh, Wrigley Field. Um, it's a place I went ever since I was a kid, and you'd go there for batting practice and catch fly ball home runs. I don't know if they still do it exactly, let you in beforehand, but uh, I was not right now, but that's the place for me. If I have to take one place, it's the bleachers in Wrigley. Okay. I, I actually visited it last, or two years ago. Uh, not a game, but I just got to tour the stadium, and it's really nice. I agree. It's kind of cool. Is they're like high school bleachers, right? Like, yeah, there's no, there's no assigned seats. It's like you get up, you lost it. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Actually, I really like that. Elsie, what's your answer? I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about Wrigley Field as well, but I'm oh. talking about coming out and and you're looking out at the bleachers when you see the ivy there. To me, uh, it, it's the closest thing going to a baseball game to a religious experience. It feels like you're walking into a baseball cathedral when you walk out of that and you start to see the ivy out there. I like sitting right behind the Cubs dugout so I could see the players going in and out. And I was actually sitting at sort of right behind the Cubs dugout because my uncle had tickets when Tuffy Rhodes hit three home runs opening day 1994. So, uh, so like that spot right there when a home run gets hit, and the whole stadium jumps up. You're in like the. You feel like you're in the middle of this great sea of like humanity. Uh, it, it's amazing. That that's my spot. All right, Doc. What about you? Uh, so it is the third baseline at Camden Yards or PNC Park. Now, and I know you're thinking that's really random, but the five thirty eight did an article about where it's the best chance to win or to get a foul ball besides home plate. And Camden Yards and PNC averaged 57 foul balls per game. And that was the highest area besides home plate. So if you're looking to go to a game and get a foul ball, that's the best chance to. Wow. Throwing a fact in there, too. Boom. There you go. The uh, I agree with the third base line because if you want to get a foul ball, so many right-handed hitters are going to pull it that way. So you have a better chance of getting a foul ball on the third base line. Being in Nats Park... I think that third base line is pretty nice. Uh, this is a clean stadium. So give me net third base in the Nats ballpark, and I'll be set. Yeah, that used to be the spot to catch where you'd go to a Cubs game early, and you'd just stand right there, and you could just have your glove and catch like five, six baseballs. Of course, that spot in Wrigley Field got ruined in, two th- in 2003, but, uh, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Dave's just shaking his head. <laughs> Oh. I love, love it. I that was one thing I regretted not being able to actually see a Cubs game. Just going to the stadium, I, I bet it's just it's a wholly different animal actually seeing a game in that park. Yeah, but that's quite, that's quite nice. Let's move to our last segment of the show, and that's going to be our game of the week. Dave, I'm going to say you don't know that one either. I, I know like that Mario one. Brothers. That's Mario Brothers, right? Yeah. yeah when, he, when he gets a star and then Invincible going through. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the few uh, ones I've known. Dave got. I mean, Dave said the right game, so you know what? He gets credit for it. I'll give it to him. 
Uh, Doc, you're hosting the game. <laughs> Doc, you're hosting the game this week. What are we playing? All right, fellas. Well, nothing fancy here. I just have some ridiculous statements or stats, and you got to tell me if it's true or false. 50-50 shot, so even David has a chance. Mendelssohn. I, I, won, I won the last week, so I'm riding high. Let's go. Okay, well, we know that you're going to put it on your resume, but <laughs> we're going to start with David. I, all right, so I'm going to say David, say Dave. Art, David say Dave. Art, and Swan. You could just say Dave. I'm, he's Dave. I'm David. All right, <laughs> David, Art, Dave. So the first one, true or false, Joe DiMaggio has more home runs than strikeouts. That's true. Okay. Art? It's false. And Dave? It's false. It is false. He has eight more career strikeouts than home runs. 369 to 361. So pretty close. That's still nuts. Yeah. Number two? And we're starting with Art. Joey Votto has 7,491 plate appearances. He never popped out to first base. False. Okay. Dave? False. All right. And David? I've heard that. Actually, it's true. I heard that somewhere. So it was true until his 6,829th plate appearance where he popped up to first base against Pedro Baez. I must have read the article from a year ago or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I, I heard that too. And then I was like, wait, is this still true? All right, so the next one. Stan Musial, and we're, we're beginning with Dave. Stan Musial had 3,630 3, career hits, 1,815 at home, 1,815 on the road. True. Okay. David? How many questions are there? Uh, there's 10 and I have some bonus. Okay. I I was going to say I might have to start going against them every time to catch up, but I'm still in the game, so I'll agree, and I'll say true. Art? True. All right. Well, it is true. You guys all get a point for that. All right. Let's go. The next one, and we're going back to David to start. Prince Fielder and his father, Cecil, retired at the same age and ended their career with the same number of home runs. I think part of that's right, but I think there was like a one or two homer difference. I think it's false. Okay. Art? Oh, boy. Uh, false. All right. And Dave? Let me go false as well. I have no clue. It is false. So they retired with the same amount of home runs, 319, I believe. But uh, Cecil retired at 34 and Prince at 32. So. Oh. I mixed right. it up. Number five, and we are beginning with Art on this. Jim Tomey is six all-time in career home runs with 612. He never led the majors in home runs in any season. True. Okay. Dave? I'm going to say true as well. And David? I think it's true. It's false. He led the home run. Or the league in home runs one year uh, in 2003, he had 47, which was tied for first. Was that with the uh, White Sox? No, it was with the Phillies. Okay. All right. So, Dave and Art, you got you, you guys got your first one wrong, still head to head. And we are beginning with Dave for this one. More people have walked on the moon than men who scored against Mariano Rivera in the postseason. <laughs> That's a weird one. 
I'm going to say true. David? I'll say false. And Art? That is such a cool fact. I'm just going to say true and hope it's true. It is true. All right. At the time that this was, I think 12 people had walked on the moon and only 11 scored against Mariana Rivera. So, David, it appears you're out or you're going to have a tough sledding to come back. Uh, Art, Art and Dave both have five and David, you got two. We're on question seven and we're beginning with Dave for this one. Actually, no, we're beginning with David. Barry Bonds hit 10-plus home runs in all 22 seasons he played. True. Art? False. And Dave? I'm going to go with true on this one. It's false. He hit five Mm. home runs in 14 games in 2005. Besides that, he homered double digits in all of them. So Art has a 6-5-2 to to lead. Question two. Uh, uh, the host. <laughs> All right. And and you know it's a shame, David, you're two for seven, it's a fifty fifty. You're like awful at guessing. <laughs> I'm not good at true I'm not good at true false. All right. The next one in art we're beginning with you. In nineteen sixty eight, Bob Gibson pitched thirty four starts. He threw a complete game in thirty three out of the thirty four. Uh ooh. God, 34 would have been a low number of starts for 1968. I, I'm going to say false. Okay. Dave? Uh, I'm going to say true then. Okay. And David? I'm going to say true as well. All right. Well, another point for Art. It's false. He threw <laughs> a complete game in 28 out of 34. All right. Question. I think you snuck him show notes. Que- like question nine. Question <laughs> nine, and we're starting with Dave on this one. Tony Gwynn had more four-hit games than two strikeout games. True. True. David. Art. True. I love that. It is true. Wow, that's awesome. All right, well. Art's going to win this one, but this is the last one, and we're going to go back to David to begin. Worth 10 points. Yeah. (laughs) Between 2013 and 2014 in minor league baseball, Daniel Bard faced 31 batters and struck out zero. Art, what are you going to (laughs) say? I'll say true. Uh, True. Dave? I'm going to say false, then. That's crazy. It was false. He struck out one. So he had, oh, 30, one he, had, he, had, he had 31 batters. He had 18 walks and 10 hit-by-pitches. Awful oh stat line. Wow. That is unreal. But Art Art had 8 out of 10, a B, a passing grade, better than David's 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is the music playing for me. But we'll give... Some cheering for Cheesecake. He took home that game proudly. So, Cheesecake, you get 15 seconds for your FaceTime, and then we're going to sign Dave out of here. I just want to thank the man, Davithius, Dave Swan, coming on the show. It was great having you on, talking pitching, and uh, and winning the game. You know, it's always nice to, to walk out of here with a win, but uh, thanks for coming on, Dave. <laughs> yeah, Dave, man. 
We really appreciate you coming on. Appreciate all the work that you do because it's a gr- it's great stuff, honestly. And can you let our listeners know, in case they're not familiar with your stuff, where they can listen to you, they can find you, all your work, all that kind of good stuff? Yeah, sure. So I don't have a podcast or anything. I get to like guest on some of the great ones like this. Uh, <laughs> thank, you, thank you so much for having me. When I got the invite, I was tickled pink because you know it's one that I listen to like. Every week, and you guys have just absolutely killed it with so many great guests. And uh, I don't think people realize just how fun it actually is if you're listening in your car and you hear the games. Quite, quite a fun experience just to have with you guys. Um, you can find my work. I mean, obviously at the Vintius. Uh We're gearing up at Pitcherlist 6.0. It comes out next week. I'm so incredibly excited. There's been a lot of editing, like from a guy who gets to see the behind the scenes stuff from uh, Alec and the rest have. It's going to be absolutely incredible and really fun, and I'm like excited to see people see it. Um, if you get a chance, join the Discord. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of great chats that go on there. Uh, obviously, you know, Dave and I are doing some stuff at Fantrax, which is really good right now. The draft kit's shaping up. I love you know all the stuff that Dave's doing right now, especially with his writing. Uh, it's one of those things that comes out. I'm clicking it right away and reading it before I get to retweet it. So I think you're you're a, a budding star that people are going to find. If Following yet, um, the doc is phenomenal as well. I don't think you write anywhere yet. <laughs> nah, nah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer, it's, at least in this. Trust moment. me, it's tough. Uh, um, Elsie, are you writing right now? Yeah, I just started writing for SP Streamer. I have two articles for him, and I'll be doing a few more before the season starts. And uh, so I'll be doing the catcher streaming. Yeah, I'll be doing catcher streaming this this year. If you don't know, that's where I got my start, was actually writing at SP Streamer. Yeah? Um, yep, I, I kind of reached out to Mike, like, maybe two years ago. I was like, hey, I, I kind of have, like, the sleeper in mind, Kevin Gosman. I think we should all take a look at him. And write the article, start. And, you know, fast forward to here, and I'm writing all these places and getting to be on podcasts with you guys. So, um, you know, keep doing it, man. Just keep grinding. I think it'll be, you know, great. Uh, and, and you'll just have fun with it, man. Yeah, and he and he edits you. He actually is like, "Listen, you can do it better this way. You can do it this way." And I'm like, "Okay, all right." I thought I, I thought I was a good writer, but I see your point. <laughs> no, no. If there's one thing, like, listen to Mike. He's a great guy. He does everything yeah. like by the yeah. book. He'll help you out as much as he can. I would not be able to do any of the things I'm doing without Mike. It's like kind of the guy who could bounce stuff off and be, you know, Simi uh, has been quite a, 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 a you know a beacon for me to at least you know, keep me in this and keep pushing me. Yeah. And Dave, I know I speak for everybody else. You are welcome back anytime with all those compliments. You, uh, <laughs> you, you tickled us pink with those compliments, man. So, uh, we really appreciate that. And we appreciate you coming on. And, uh, again, if you're not following Dave at Davithius, he is one of the most knowledgeable guys that I've met in the industry. And he's just a great overall guy. And I was really excited to have him on tonight, just to be able to actually talk with him face to face for the first time. Cause you get to know someone a lot better when you're actually able to talk to them and not just talk over Twitter, you know? So Dave as great a guy as I would have thought, if not even better. So make sure you follow him and all his stuff that he puts out. And next week we'll be diving into the relief pitcher show with Deadpool hitter himself, Rob DiPietro and Torres talks baseball. We got a twofer. So make sure not to miss that until then everyone stay safe. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. And we'll see you guys next week.